While Beauty Lab and Laser is a professionally licensed medical facility, the hosts of this podcast are not medical professionals, nor do they claim to be. The opinions on this podcast are for entertainment only. Please seek a licensed medical professional for all medical questions. Hi, and welcome to Live Love Lab, the behind-the-scenes podcast from Beauty Lab and Laser. This is Heather Gay, one of the hosts of Beauty Lab, and well, actually, one of the owners of Beauty Lab and one of the hosts of the Live Love Lab podcast. <laughs> You're joined by Dre, the other owner, the other co-host, and together we are Drether. And in the tradition of ASMR, we have been flooded. <laughs> flooded with listeners just saying oh my goodness we got seven dms from all seven listeners and i mean and they were riveted by the (laughs) asmr so i said i'm going to continue it a little bit longer it seems to be going over well hopefully whetting your appetite for a few of the delicious things that you too could be placing on your tongue today if you had access to a convenience store (laughs) so today i brought one for dre because i like a challenge and i also think that I think we all think that there's some room for improvement here. <laughs> I'm so, aware. I'm going to hand her hers quietly because I don't want to get reveal anything. Good job, Kay. And then oh, I'm going to do mine. I'm glad you gave me this one. Thank Good. you. You're welcome. That was <laughs> truly random. <laughs> but I'm glad that it... I, I almost, for a split second, did you see it flash yes. my eyes that I was going to pretend that I knew that you liked that flavor? <laughs> I did not because... Uh, it doesn't affect me directly <laughs> i pay it no mind okay here we go this is a mystery so i'm going to perform it to the best of my ability and then i'm going to lob it on over to dre turn to the time over to turn sister the time over to sister robinson, robinson. getting the wrapper off delicious dense can you hear it pinching in my fingers takes a little bit of teeth to break through Mm -mm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh uh-oh that little sour tang hits the back of your Mm -hmm. throat activating your salivary glands that's good really good so what we are eating is what the boys used to call us in seventh grade (laughs) airheads airheads Mm, i'm just gonna finish enjoying this and then maybe take a nap and then get to the mother effing point (laughs) okay (laughs) which is why are we so bad at relationships you know, it's literally a question I ask myself on the daily, multiple times a day. And we wanted to talk about something that you said to me yesterday when you were, we were chatting. Yeah. And you made a very, very good point about practice making perfect. And, you know, the 10,000 hour rule. And, you know, when we try something over and over and over again, we, even when someone fails, we typically applaud the effort yeah correct it's it's tenacity it's dedication it's like honing a skill yeah and um 
you know, it's interesting because I've talked about that book, Hard Thing About Hard Things before on the podcast. And that was one thing that I noticed with him. Like he had massive failures Mm -hmm. and, but like he attributes his success to learning what he needed to learn through those failures. Right. Yeah. And even failures being a great learning tool for anything, but practice makes perfect, like just to get really, really, really good at something. Even if, even if you start out, like just take riding a bike, for instance, you know, you wobble, Mm -hmm. you, you know, you spend one hour, you maybe learn. Right. And then every hour after that hour, you get more deft, more efficient. You start to fine tune the process. You start to know when to shift gears. You you learn all of the intricacies of that bike and you become on the 10,000th hour, a master bike rider. Right. One might even say like professional level tour de France. Sure. (laughs) Who knows? But that's the concept of 10,000 hours. Yeah. Well, and, and what do we apply that? We apply that to, uh, like piano playing. Mm -hmm. We apply that to sports, sports. You, you know, if Tiger Woods is a great golfer because he has spent 10,000 hours golfing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We apply it to business or, you know, when you're in your career, you know, after you spend a certain amount of time, you kind of get it, yeah. right? She has been, he has been running, you know, the Port Authority security for 10,000 hours. Mm-hmm. You know, he knows the job. He's an expert. There's nothing that has shocked him or surprised him that he hasn't seen. Mm-hmm. And he has mastered that craft. Right. So it's, it's a pretty simple concept. Yeah, you spend 10,000 hours doing anything. You become an expert at it and you become a master of it. Right. And uh, Malcolm Gladwell talked about this a lot in his book, The Outliers. Yes. Which is a fantastic read. Fantastic read. So I, I have, you know, three teenage daughters who every day I am afraid for what they're going to come home and tell me in terms of, you know, high school drama with boys, with friendships, with, you know body dysmorphia I don't right. you know just what I mean like just, normal, just all the things life. yeah yeah and I I always want like I look at it as like fear like I'm coming at it like I have to protect them I don't want anything to happen like I want to avoid bad friends I want to avoid bad guys I want to make sure she's at the best school make sure she's in the best clubs you know that she represents herself well every day aka looks good you know all the right. horrible things but and I just was sitting there feeling all the angst as a mom does and I thought why don't I look at like every day she goes out there and has to deal with a mean girl snub, deal with low key shade, you know, deal with a boy breaking her heart. Why don't I look at his practice, Yeah, you know, as an hour, a notch on her belt to getting great at navigating female relationships, to getting great at being a girlfriend, to getting great at dating. Absolutely. We don't look at it as like, I'm getting so good at dating. I have gone on 17 dates this past month and I am getting good at it. We never, if someone said that, you'd be like, girl, <laughs> you need to check yourself right. in. Right. And what would, what, if you heard that from someone, if a girl said, I am, I want to get really good at dating and I want to get really good at developing relationships with men. Mm-hmm. So I'm going out every night. Yeah. With a I'm going to, I'm going to go out with a hundred men. That's going to be a hundred hours or, or 200 hours. Yeah. 200 of, hours. Of dating. I mean, 
I think typically we would probably slut shame the hell yeah. out of because it's like, oh, well, are you sleeping with them? And are, you're going to have, how are you going to find a hundred different men? That's a hundred men. It's a lot. And we would, and we would immediately say to her like, well, what are you looking for? You have, you must have terrible standards. Your, your standards are too high. You think too much of yourself or you are looking at this too systematically. You know, you need to just, when it happens, it happens or whatever. We don't allow any um, self-divination when it comes to love or relationships, which is why it's probably feels so disenfranchising, you know, when you don't get asked out or somebody does break up with you because we don't have anywhere to put it other than in the failure bucket mm-hmm. and the bad self-esteem bucket and, welp, you know, yeah. instead of be like, well, that was my third failed baked cake and now tomorrow I'm going to try a new one and right. I'm going to do this until I can make a cake that I love and that is delicious and perfect. We just don't apply the rule of practice to yeah. love yeah. really. Yeah, because if we do believe that practice makes perfect in most arenas of life, why don't we apply it to love, relationships and sex? And sex. Because I'm going to just do a hypothetical here. Um you're a guy, pretend, okay. and I'm going to set you up on Hello. a date. Oh, that wasn't very hard <laughs> to do. A guy would be like, hey. <laughs> um, the type of guy we're asking. So this is just a guy. with. He's not a deep thinker, okay? He's a wonderful human. But if I said to him, I want to set you up, and he was like, great. And she, is, this girl is amazing. She knows men she loves men she is good in bed she has mastered the craft of sex she has had literally followed the 10,000 hour rule and she has had sex for over 10,000 hours and she knows what she's doing and she's beautiful and confident and completely empowered I have another girl she's kind of nervous about the dating scene she hasn't gone on a lot of dates she may or may not be a virgin and may or may not be very comfortable around sex, but she's willing to learn, and she's really beautiful, and she's smart and funny. Who do you want to take out, sir? Well, I want to sleep with the girl that is good at sex, but I probably want to date the girl who's pure. I'd okay. still want, I mean. Well, that's pretty effed up. It is. I'm just saying, I mean, hi, I'm a lady, and I'm not a man. <laughs> Why don't I'm you speaking, use your lady brain? To I'm just... speaking as Andrew. Not <laughs> Andrea. <laughs> no one's going to figure that one out. Our male but, guest today is Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. But I mean, real talk, I do think that's how most people would answer. Not just men. I think if we were given, you know, that option as a woman, that like, hey, there's this guy, he's what some might call a fuckboy. And, uh, he can give it to you, good. you know, he's yeah. really good and he's had sex, you know, 10,000 times. He loves women for over an hour, for an hour, for an hour, every minimum. Time. Um, <laughs> it's exhausting. Um, he's read books. He's gone to sex clinics. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would be curious probably and be like, yeah, I mean, I would be like, okay, he has an issue and he clearly is searching for something in his life through sex and, I am not interested in a man that's been with that many women. I would, one, be riddled with insecurity of the compare. And I'd also be grossed out by the physical aspect of it. Like, 
you know, too many penises and too many mm-hmm. Missy Moo Moos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the woo-woo. The woo-woo. Um, and I would think that he was broken. Okay, what if it was um, that he had been married for, you know, 10 years, and and his, but the wife died? Oh, no, they divorced. From but lack she, of sex. She said that, that he... They had sex so much. They had an incredibly active sex life, and they had had 10,000 hours of sex, and he had mastered it, and he was so, so good. Relationship didn't work out. Have at it. Would that make a difference? No. I would think, well, I there's no way sex with me is going to compare to sex with someone that he's had 10,000 times if I was in this frame of mind. But the truth is, I might also think, oh, well, I'm going to blow his mind because he's been with the same woman for 10,000 hours. Mm-hmm. All I have to do is walk by mm-hmm. because the new makes it great. Right. Good point. But if it was a guy that had had the new 10,000 times and so knew what like the first, you know, trailings of like attraction are mm-hmm. and then, you know, how it kind of fades out and they had been through that, wouldn't we think like they're experts or do you think they're broken and messed up. How about a woman that's been married ten, for ten, you know, 10,000 men? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, that's the thing. It's like you look at people, we were talking about Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah. Who was married multiple times, what, six, seven times? Yeah, I think she was married seven times. And some of her marriages were so, so short lived. And when I look at it now with adult perspective, like she knew, apparently, I read a little blurb that she knew on the honeymoon that she didn't want to be married to um, Conrad Hilton and began divorcing him immediately. Yeah. And we would think, well, something's wrong with her. Put in your time, you know, don't quit. But what if she was just a relationship expert? Cause she'd spent 10,000 hours in bad and good relationships. And she could tell the difference between a, a good tomato and a bad tomato because she'd been gardening for 10,000 years. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. she said, this is a bad tomato. I'm not going to waste one more minute. Yeah. I think some people would say, well, why um, jump the gun and get married if you're just going to find out two weeks later? Like, what if you would have waited those two weeks? And maybe, but sometimes things change, you know, when you get married. It's kind of like it, it does shift the energy. Yeah. And maybe it took being married to learn that that's not who you wanted to be married to. And it's not necessarily a failure, but it's just an evolution and a a growth. So like if you, what if we said this, like before you can get married, you have to spend 10,000 hours with the person. How many years is that? I don't know. Let's do the math. Because this could be the new concept. Like also, this really helps you put marriage in perspective. Like sure, you guys want to get married and have the whole life and the whole Instagram image. Great. You have to, by law, spend 10,000 hours together and first. And is it waking hours? Nope. Okay. So it is 416.6 days. So a little over a year. That's fascinating. I know. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, I mean, if we're doing that, that's not waking hours. Okay. That's like full. If you were If you wanted to spend 10,000 hours and, awake. Yeah. Like, say you spend, even if you spend 10 hours you know, a day with someone. This is based on a 24-hour day. Right. So double that. You know, double and a half it, really. So and three you're looking years, at, three you know, four years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe even longer. Before you're good at being in that relationship. Because it's interesting because, and that actually makes me feel better because when we were talking earlier, I was thinking, 
Okay, so I have been married twice. Hmm. And my joke is that, like, I've tried that enough times, clearly not good at it. But what if I'm, what if I'm just learning, you know, what if, what if I could be good at it? I don't think, disclaimer, I'm never getting married, but like. But what if it is like, tried that twice, I think the third time I'll nail it. Because that's the truth. If like, I tried, I've tried parasailing twice, we wouldn't say, well, you would think you'd get better each time. Right. And have the skill set to learn it, you know? Right. And I do think that I got better each time. Yeah. For sure. I And I learned so much from both of my marriages. But there was that piece of me when you were talking and saying, you know, like, oh, you have to get your 10,000 hours. I was thinking, well, shit, what if I didn't give my second marriage 10,000 hours? What if, like, what if I needed to try for just another, you know, 500 hours and then I was going to mm-hmm. get it? And... I mean, I, but I was married for 10 years, so. So you did do that marriage I, for 10,000 hours. I did. I did. And it didn't work. And it didn't work. But I learned a ton. And I, and the growth between my first marriage and my second marriage was pretty um, significant, you know, uh, just me as a person and the, like, not to throw shade, but the person I chose, you know, like was very, very different than the first, the first time guy. around, you know, and, and so I think that I made some improvements, um, and, but and even some growth, some growth and some improvements, but at the same time, I just don't, we don't mark it as, um, an advance. We mark it as, you know, a failure. A yeah. How about parents with, uh, wayward children? Like, she's a wonderful mom. She's had to deal with um, kids that were drug addicted, kids that um, had teen pregnancy, kids that committed crime. She is a phenomenal mom. She's loved those kids through it, and she has not killed them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Instead, it's just like, don't get parenting advice from her. She clearly doesn't know what she's doing. Yeah, she screwed up. So interesting. Yeah, The it way is. that we just sabotage our own self, and we take away the ability to really constructively... Um, analyze our relationships because if a business failed we would rip it apart to see why and Mm -hmm. when a relationship fails you know we rip ourselves apart to see why you know yeah yeah it's true I do think that there I like I see changes though in that like I feel like you know 30 years ago when you get divorced you just kind of hide out and you know make it work and you know just be ashamed. Whereas now I don't know very many people who go through a divorce and don't seek counseling. Right. I think that most people that experience that now know that like, Hey, I've just been through some trauma. Just the act of getting divorced is traumatic. Totally. Um, let alone if you've been in an unhappy marriage is also traumatic, but I think just going through a divorce on its own is something that we deem valuable to like, or a reason to seek counseling. And so I do think that we've had a lot of like societal evolution on that, that like it is okay to say, okay, I need to look at this. I need to dissect it. To value add, have this add mm -hmm. value to my life and not just be a mark of shame. Yes, exactly. Well, I think now's the right time for you to take your scarlet letter sweater off. Oh, but it's so cozy. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll just Hester print you all the way. To the stockards. No, it's funny because I mean that that two divorce like label is it is a thing of shame for totally. me. Totally. It's a total I you know, and I joke about it and whatever, you know, but yeah, the truth is maybe 
I mean, I don't think that I'm great at being married, but maybe you're, I just am learning. Well, you're clearly great at uh, knowing what you need and sticking up for it. And you're getting, and like when we flex that muscle of like putting ourselves on the list or flex the muscle of just even valuing mm-hmm. our time and our contribution a- above our spouses or our children's, you yeah. know, we get where that's kind of the 10,000 hour rule toward that. But it's hard to do. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Breaking up is hard to do. Okay, but that's the thing. So speaking of breaking up, don't you think, like, I worry about if and when Elsha goes through a breakup. Yeah. How hard that's going to be. And, like, how sad that will be. And, like, because I remember my own breakups, especially when I was in high school and early college, of just, you know, like, the music playing and the laying on my bed and weeping and journaling and all the stuff. I don't know why (laughs) the sky is so blue. I think, like, over and over. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And so it's something that I, like, have in a pit in my stomach of, like, how am I going to get Elsha through that if and when it happens? And it's like, what if we leaned into that and say, yep, this is part of practicing because you're going to experience heartbreak and you have to get good at it. And guess what? Every time your heart gets broken, it gets stronger. Yes. It doesn't get hardened. It doesn't get closed off. It gets stronger. So you recognize love more readily mm-hmm. and you appreciate it more when it comes in your life. And it always hurts just as much. Yep. It always hurts. So you might as well. It's like every time you break your arm, it is going to hurt. Mm-hmm. But if you treat it well... And you look at the ways that you got into that predicament and you, and it heals, you're, that bone is stronger than it's ever been. And you're smarter and more evolved because you know how to not break your arm. Yeah. It doesn't mean you're scared to try things. You know, you're just newly informed and empowered. Yeah. But we do not look at breakups as newly informed and empowered. No. It's just pain. And we don't look at people having 10,000 hours worth of sex as someone that's an expert. We look at them as someone that's addicted. Yeah, or a slut. Or a slut, mm-hmm. or been used up, you know? Right. I don't want a vagina for 10,000 hours. <laughs> well, it's only a year, buddy. So I know, exactly, exactly. Actually, we probably have all had 10,000 hours of sex, right? Yeah, By the time for we're, sure. you know. I've been having sex 10 hours a day, every day, for 10 years. So what is that at? <laughs> That's true, actually. <laughs> I probably probably haven't. No, you have to. You would if you would have to have sex once a day for, for ten thousand days. Yeah, which is how many years? So, well, I just divided ten thousand hours divided by three hundred sixty-five days. I don't know why I did that or what I was getting at, but yeah, that's what you want to do. Okay. What'd you get? Twenty-seven point thirty-nine. That's twenty-seven years. Wow. So let me ask you this then, dear listeners. If you know someone that's been having sex for an hour a day for 27 years, do you think that person is amazing in bed? Or do you think that person goes point A, point B, cup breast, cup left butt butt cheek, (laughs) kiss neck, perform sex, go to bed? After 27 years of sex with the same person? Man, I don't know. I don't know. Is it better on the 27th year than it is year one? I think it probably could be. I think Sting and Trudy Steiner would say it is. Yeah. I mean, because, well, and earlier we were talking about that sexual tipping point of right. like turn-ons and inhibitions. And I mean, imagine where your inhibitions are after 27 years. 
Yeah, you're you're, you're probably just probably blowing your nose in the middle of it. <laughs> but it could leave you. I mean, which could make it feel very um, just casual and whatever. But also, if you look at it in just in that formula, it could allow you to be much more open and and um, satisfied. Yeah, exactly. So, well. It's fascinating to me. It really is because the principle of sex is so much based on newness, at, but at the same time, that that tipping point, it's based on desires and turn on, and a lot of that's newness, mm-hmm. and then inhibitions. But it's also like the very best sex is when it's not new, you know, mm-hmm. and it's comfortable. Not comfortable is the wrong word, but it's connected and safe. And deeply safe and deeply connected where your inhibitions are down, but your desires at the peak. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's, that's the delicate balance. Well, I mean, if you think about it, like think of a first kiss. I don't think I've ever had a first kiss that wasn't just weird. I, maybe that's just me, but well, most I think of we've my... we figured out the common, a- the common denominator in that scenario because... Um... <laughs> to all the men I've kissed, yeah. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> to all the men I've kissed before. Um, but like... I'm going to say you're the bad kisser on that one. Uh, maybe I am, but... Maybe not. But maybe not. But people have different styles. Like you have the some ones that like they try to like eat your face and it's gross. Mm, I love a face. And okay. like and like there's a lot of saliva on your skin. We call that a wet ass disgusting. mouth. Yeah. Some lid for every pot. I will say that like... A kiss, the first kiss, I don't think is, I think sometimes you have to do it a few times to get good at it. Mm. I feel like I love a first kiss. Really? Mm-hmm. Not me. Shocker. <laughs> That's fascinating. So would you say like you need to, would you say to your daughters, as a mom, I need you to understand all the aspects of life and sex is a pretty big aspect of your life. Mm-hmm. So I want you to be good in bed. I want you to learn what I've learned to be good in bed. And does that make you cringe and want to die? Mm-hmm. And tell me why. Because it makes it, me cringe and want to die too. Because of purity too, culture, dude. Is that okay? Let's That's talk why. about that. So it's purity culture because what? Why in the world would you want her to be good in bed so she can be a whore? Well, also, I mean, okay, so it's both. It's purity culture, but then also, so like my feminism gets offended at that. Um, I because get that. then it's like, why are we? Why are we putting value? Why does she have to be good in bed? Well, why do we teach them to comb their hair and, and wash their face? Right, exactly. But I think for them to enjoy it, I want to teach them rather than being good in bed, how to enjoy it. Yeah, for learn well, what that you doesn't like. Seem uncomfortable at all? So you just grab a hand mirror and just have no, a heart to heart with your daughter. I would rather <laughs> take eight hundred koanapins and then just zen the hell out. <laughs> well, listen, you need about eight hundred. Based on but. my ex- experience, you need about one eighth of one. <laughs> 800 would put you over the edge. No, but I mean, like, you know what I'm saying. Like, of course, I don't want to necessarily have that conversation with Elsha. Find out what feels good to you. That makes me want to cringe. But, like, but that is, when we say be good and bad, that's what we really mean, is have a good experience. Well, know your body. Know what your body needs. Be be able to communicate that to a partner, Mm -hmm. which is... I have none of those abilities. <laughs> I, I literally don't. Well, practice makes perfect. I don't, Heather. and I have no desire. Like it'd be like, would you like to learn to 
mix your own natural oils? <laughs> no. Would you like to learn how to self-pleasure? No. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to learn these skill sets because I'm compersionist. <laughs> Basically, we're just saying, why doesn't practice make perfect apply to sex, you guys? Yeah. And relationships, right? Yeah, and parenting. Because I think if we were truly to think about, like, what... Like we can sit here and talk about purity culture and talk about independence and empowerment and sexual freedom, but I have three daughters and I have not done anything <laughs> to encourage them. You know what I mean? Right, right. To talk about their bodies, what feels good, you know. I mean, we talk about it in terms, but I've never once... I Because, you know, this is what I mean to say. Like, I've never put as much effort in helping my girls develop sexually as I have put in to help them develop their musical talents, their reading skills, sure. you mm -hmm. know, their mm -hmm. tips and tricks for clean skin. Not That's not my wheelhouse, but you know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like well, and even how to you, match your shoes to your purse. Even if you take sex off the table, because, you know, they are young and you, you, I mean, I think anyone would say like, you know, time and place, whatever, maybe as they get older, but like, let's just, I mean, relationships in general, like we are not encouraging them to, you know, to take these things as learning experiences, or at least I haven't really, you know. Well, like I've never said to them, make sure you have your heart broken three or four times before you get engaged. Right. Yes. Because you learn more from the breakups and mm -hmm. more from the what you don't want to do again than you do from the this worked out perfectly. Yeah. Because if you're eating rich crackers your whole life, you don't understand that there's a Keebler Toll House out there. <laughs> yes. Townhouse. Keebler Townhouse, right? Yes. No, it is. World's oh, yeah, Townhouse. Yeah. Ritz's are delicious yeah. and wonderful. Yeah. And I would, if they said you can have nothing, you can have Ritz, I would run to the Ritz <laughs> section of the aisle. But if they said you can have a Keebler Townhouse cracker, you know, the buttery, soft, oblong ones. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. I prefer them. Yeah, they're great. Then, but I wouldn't know. Yeah. Well, and, and then what if they said you can have a steak and potatoes and a roll? You that, know? And well, and that's what, exactly is that you have to know what's out there. But also, like, what if you do, you know, only have one relationship in your whole life or whatever? It's, you have one best friend. And what happens when you go to a new school or you move to college or whatever and you don't know how to make friends? Or, you know, you've or only you lose that friend and you don't know how to recover from it. Yes. Yeah. Because we all have. You know, we have to learn how to cope. Yeah. And, and we romanticize never having your heart broken, never fighting, never getting divorced, never breaking up. And we, so we fear that and we avoid it at all costs. Whereas if we looked at marriage as like, you know, I've been married seven times and I've learned so much and I'm moving on and I'm an expert. Or we looked at parenting as like my kids, I've had drug addict kids. I've, I had a teen pregnancy, you know, like mm -hmm. I know how to parent trouble kids. I've been through it all. I've been through it all. Yeah. Or I've had, you know, 25 sexual partners and I've done it on my head. Yeah. And I'm trying to think <laughs> of the freakiest thing I can possibly think of. Well, I think truly like the whole point of this is like we need to be gentler with each other and respect that like 
everyone's just on their own journey doing their best and we're very very quick to jump to judgment on like yeah someone who's been on 17 dates in the last month and we feel sorry for them and feel like wow they you know they just can't land a guy but how about let's just be nice and say that's great that she's getting the practice but that's not even nice that's just like switch the narrative you know what I mean because because even implying that that's nice or kind is implying that we should they should be pitied. That they're doing something And that's wrong. pathetic. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was saying. It's like the reason I haven't put those efforts in is because if I were to really get super honest, I don't want my daughters to sleep around. I don't want them to be perceived the way the world would perceive them if they had more than four boyfriends. Right. I don't want them to be known for guy hopping. I don't want the world to judge them because they've been divorced four times. I don't want that... I, because I'm so institutionalized, I'm so programmed in it that I don't even know what I desire. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, it and does. so that's, and so until we as like the leaders of this generation get really, really honest about why we don't want these things, we can't, you know, do kind of that shallow female, like, hashtag boss babe, shallow female empowerment, or like, you know, mm-hmm. multiple partners. But, when we don't feel it, it's just performative feminism. It's performative, performative, like sexual empowerment. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I'm still trying to figure it out because I have been programmed and am continually reminded by men in my life that purity is valued over experience and naivete is valued over knowledge. And I have, Mm -hmm. I would have yet to meet a man that has, fundamentally you know shown otherwise yeah doesn't mean that's all he's looking for doesn't mean he's not in a relationship with with someone with those qualities but if you were to pin him to the wall and get deeply into what's what he you know determines to be attractive or highly valued in society or have status or all of those things I think that he would see the same thing that we're seeing because that is what society has told us over and over and over and over and over again even though it's toxic and untrue and you know, a false narrative. Yeah. So, I mean, what is the solution? Because if it's not being gentler with each other, which I think we should, again, practice makes perfect. Even if we cannot internalize it, if we say it enough times, you know, good for her that she's going on 17 dates, maybe we'll start to believe it. Um, But we do, I think it has to start, I mean, we have to change how we perceive things internally, you know? That's what I was going to say. It starts at home, but it starts like in, in your within. heart yeah within and so I need to get I can't possibly teach my children something that I don't embody mm-hmm. and that's that's why we have generational trauma and that's why we have generational you know cult mentality right right so basically I'm saying guys it's my fault the world's <laughs> falling apart it's completely my fault I knew this you should all know this and I but I I find peace in realizing that I could um as a mom, you just feel vulnerable every single day when you send your kids out there. You just feel Completely. vulnerable. Like someone's going to be mean to them and I don't want to clean up that mess. Yeah. But what if we were like, I hope someone like calls her fat today so we can come home, laugh about it and be like, guess what? You're going to get called fat 500,000 times. Even when you're 85 pounds, somebody will be like, get your fat ass out of my way. Yeah. You know, because they know it cuts you. Yep. Or someone's going to call you ugly. Someone's going to leave you out. They're going to leave you out until you're 65. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Until you leave yourself out. Mm-hmm. But 
girls do that. Yep. Mean girls do that. And men do too. And men and men are going to break does. your hearts yep. and ghost you and make promises and also fall in love with you and irritate you and stalk you. And mm-hmm. you know what I mean? All yeah. the things. Like there's both there's both worlds, but like let's welcome those opportunities as learning opportunities, teaching moments, ways to, you know, build a skill set that they can take with them for the rest of their lives and you know I want to welcome that type, those types of experience into my life. Like, I truly don't want to go online and date. I really, truly, one million percent don't, and I'm not yeah. going to because I'm old enough and stubborn enough not to. But I should <laughs> welcome opportunities to meet people and have them disappoint me. You know, well, because it would be, if anything, we could put it in a book someday. Exactly. Shit, you can't make up books. Exactly. I'd rather. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Yeah, embracing the opportunities to grow and learn and and take all of the bad things that happen as you know, an opportunity for growth and look at the things in your life that you see as being failures. And how can we flip the script a little bit and say, this is towards my 10,000 hour goal. Yeah. Toward my 10,000 hours. I'm putting a notch in my belt Mm -hmm. in experience. And also what if we say, if not for us, for our daughters, so whatever we're experiencing now, let's learn from it and pass it on. Yes. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Um, do you feel pretty accomplished at love and relationships no okay do you think um how many times do you think you've had your heart broken truly probably like four and this is the question I wanted to ask I had to do a little lead-in when you think about your life from this moment on do you think I bet I have two or three more really terrible but wonderful heartbreaks oh like how many heartbreaks between you and death? Yeah, that's a really good question. And why is because, it? Because I mean, my knee jerk is like, I hope none. Right. Like I how many car none. accidents between now and death? Right. But, you know, maybe. That's, but that's our whole point of this podcast. we need to embrace podcast. it. Yeah. Maybe. Of the outliers, 10,000 hours. Yeah. 10,000 you're, you're hours. What if you were not even one tenth of the way to learning what you really want in love? Yeah. Oh, and it's going to take three heartbreaks not. to get there. Yes. Wouldn't you want to get on top of it and get your heart broken as soon as possible yeah. so that you could like get to your black belt? Yeah. Flex that muscle. Yeah. Yeah. Get past all of your exams mm-hmm. and it's, and it's required, yeah. you know, that's a really for good you question. to break up with someone, for someone to break up with you. Also, what if we said you have to, you know, I read an article that said, um, bisexuality is not defined by the gender of your partner by the um, experiences you've had or the relationships you've had. You know, it's just who you are. Yeah. And I just thought that's so fascinating because if we really looked at everyone as born as undefined, then we would encourage everyone to mm-hmm. put their, dip their toe in every single pond they could. Yeah. But we also don't do that. Yeah. You're right. You know? so. You're blowing my mind, Heather. I'd like you to have some sex with some women, some animals, <laughs> and some uh, devices. <laughs> Perfect. I will put that on the list. 10,000 hours. In, since we're talking about vibrators, um, and everyone knows I'm not a motorized device girl, I was watching Overboard, which is one of my favorite movies, and there's this scene where Goldie Hawn like, tries to use the chainsaw, and she like cuts through, she like turns and is like, and her whole body's like shaking, and she like tries to, she like cuts through the laundry and cuts through the scarecrow and all these things, then she finally like realizes, and she makes this total vibrator face, and I just thought, this is a meme, this is Heather Gay when she opens her first vibrator, <laughs> like figures it out, and then finally is like, oh my god. <laughs> But that's the story for when I turn 60. <laughs> and I'm on my third chapter of love in an elevator. Love it. Well, um, 
let's let's uh, talk about our just the tip before we wrap up. Oh. Our just the tip. Um, just the tip. I'm sure you can imagine. I'm going to say it's going to be get yourself a hand mirror. <laughs> Find a quiet spot, maybe light a candle, maybe some incense. Get to know yourself. Find out what you like. Oh boy. And then invite your daughters to join you. <laughs> and say, on the podcast, I challenged our listeners, all eight of them. Now our viewership's going we way up. We gained a listener. Thank you out there. We, we saw your listen. Um, you know, we challenged them to become sexually empowered and... It starts at home. <laughs> no success outside of the home can compensate for failure inside the home or inside your own vagina. So let's get going, girls. That's your just the tip for the week. Oh, so great. I Embrace feel like this it. is Beauty Lab After Dark, right? Oh, yeah. Well, anytime the vibrators come out, yeah, you can count is. on that explicit it rating. <laughs> and because this is explicit, I have the perfect closer. Well, you know how we've been saying like, we always say the lab loves you, and uh-huh. we're never changing that. Yeah, but, um, that's the forever closer. When I'm in a bad mood, I have a new one. Okay, let's hear it. Fuck you, goodbye. <laughs> Fuck you, goodbye. What is that from? It's from, um, I just forgot. It's uh, it's with Jeff Bridges. So, it's so he plays Bad Blake, the movie where he plays Crazy Heart. Oh, so fun fact is Heather has like 80 million little sound bites on her phone of just like wonderful bits of media that we just (laughs) that we just like to play sometimes just just when we're feeling down or when we are in our feels or if we are in a bad mood or if we just need a great laugh yes like this one chewing gum helps me think sweetie you're wasting your gum (laughs) (laughs) that thought goes through my head quite a lot sweetie you're wasting your gum um but in otherwise (laughs) <laughs> I think I'm going to leave. I'm not going to do our normal closer. I'm just going to. So good. All right. Well, remember that the lab loves you and life is short. By the lips. We love you, Loretti. <laughs> hey, Loretti, did you learn to like it? What is happening? We can't do this podcast. <laughs>